Today's message, today's message uh, is going to be one that we don't really talk about that much. It's going to be on finances, so we're going to have word of prayer. And then I want to show you guys a little video before we start. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is this morning to be here. And I just want to thank you that you own everything. We thank you, Father, that you are in charge of everything. And we're grateful, Father, that above everything else, we belong to you. We want to pray for your Holy Spirit. And we ask right now that you can come into this sanctuary and fill our hearts. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you know that there are different kinds of tithers? Roll the footage. give to God by enjoying what he has given me, okay? I mean, do you really think he expects something back? Now, I know there's a lot of people at church that would not understand this line of reasoning. That's why, just to make things simple and not to cause any controversy, I like to carry what I call the little empty envelope, all right? You see, when the plate gets passed, I bloop, put it in there like that. The deacon's counting the money. They only know me as the crazy empty envelope guy, but the people sitting around me, clueless. <laughs> I win, they win, God wins. No one gets hurt because no one knows. God knows. Huh? Let me ask you a question, huh? How's your mutual fund? Hey, for that matter, how's all your funds? Ha has the fund left your funds, huh? Has your do-re-mi taken a W-A-L-K, huh? What if I told you that I knew about an investment you could make that the return would be mind-boggling? And, 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 it's, and it's promised. It's guaranteed. I know what you're saying. There's no guarantees. This one's guaranteed, okay? Malachi 3.10. So what it says in the Old Testament. It says, test me. Give to God, and he will give you back. It goes like this. I give this. He gives this. I give this. He gives this. I give this. Up right up there. He keeps giving. I can't outgive God. How crazy is that? <laughs> Do I love him? Sure, whatever. I'm just saying, if you give, he gives back. <laughs> I tithe, but just not like in the form of a 10% check per se. Let me tell you what I mean. When I go to church on a Sunday morning, they're selling donuts. I buy some. Boom, that's a tithe. When my whole Sunday school class wants donuts, and I, out of the goodness of my heart, buy a whole bunch for the Sunday school class, boom, that's another tithe. But it's not about me spending money. It's about the smile on people's faces. That, my friends, is tithe enough for me. Case in point, the church was having date nights where we could take our spouse out for an evening, and they were charging $25 for child care. Boom shakalaka tithe. I'll tell you what the biggest tithe was. When I spent over $100 on our meal, and my wife was grinning ear to ear, that, my friends, a tithe. I, w I would like to give. I would, okay? But everything right now is just crazy. I mean, just crazy, you know? I mean, not normal crazy, really crazy, you know? And if after I paid my bills and took care of the things that I need and want, then I would, I would consider giving something, but not, now's crazy. We're, we're, we're going to give later. We've already talked about it. I mean, down the road, we'll be crazy givers, but right now it's just crazy. 
Yeah, I have money, that's a fact. But you know what? It's a hard thing between me and the Lord and the pastor because he needs to know what I'm giving now that we have this little building campaign going on, if you know what I'm saying. And pastor, I'd give a little bit more. I'd give a little something, something if you'd have that music minister sing a couple more hymns now and then, huh? Hey, what's this? Watch this. Is that a Benjamin? I think it is. Benji likes hymns. Come on. You want it? Ah, come on, pastor. Do what I say, huh? Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> oh, in my life, Lord, be glorified in me. I put money in the plate. Wait, wait, wait. Look what I have here. I hope it doesn't interfere. That everyone can hear how I give with cheer That everyone could be like me You know, maybe some of you are thinking, I am one of those, you know? Uh, and today, hopefully we can talk about finances a little bit differently. So I want to give you some facts about money first and foremost. Did you know that the national U.S. debt is $22 trillion? The average credit card debt in North America is $15,000. The average number of credit cards owned by one single person, 3.5. You know, as a nation, we have been, I would say, very blessed, wouldn't you say? And because of that, we have not necessarily learned to manage some of these things. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. We also have this bad habit of comparing ourselves to others when it comes to finances. But I'm going to tell you right now, and I like it how David Ramsey puts it, he says, do not compare yourselves with the Joneses because the Joneses are broke. See, I remember when I was in college, you know, I had just come from Columbia, South America, and see, I actually grew up with an allowance. Anybody know what an allowance is? All right, great. Well, you know, I asked the question because, you know, some people are like, wait, there's an allowance? I thought we had credit cards, right? So, you know, I came into this country, and I remember, you know, that, uh, you know, people were driving nifty cars, they were wearing great clothes, they were doing all these wonderful things, and of course I felt left behind because I was uh, buying my clothes at the Samaritan Center, and I was buying my things at Goodwill, and I was just, you know, okay, maybe I felt a little out of place, and you know, next thing you know, I remember my mom, she said, hey, you know what, I got you something, and you know, I kind of wonder what it was, it wasn't my birthday, it's just something that you needed, and so it actually came in a little envelope, and then when I opened it, it was a little piece of plastic. And it says you have a $500 limit. Hmm, okay. Use it in case of emergency. So, you know, I would work three jobs when I was at Southern Adventist University. 
When I would work, I would make sure that most of what I made will, would go through my tuition, to my tuition. But there were times that, you know, I had a car and I had food and all that kind of stuff, you know, that I needed, I needed to also supply the needs. And so I remember I went to the store, I went to the Walmart over there, and I said, you know, I, I, I don't think I have enough in my checking account. And one of the people asked me, well, hey, do you have a credit card? And I said, well, why, well, well yes, I do. And so I said, okay, well, sh charge them. You know, at that moment, I had $55 in my checking account. But I still put the money in the credit card. So then that same day, I needed to get some tires for my car. You know, and I thought, okay, well, let me see here. Uh, let me just go to this place. And he's like, hey, I don't have any money. He's like, well, do you have a credit card? Well, well yes, I definitely do. It's like, well, you know what? Shh, charge them. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome. I still have $55 in my bank account, and yet in this credit card, you know, I mean, it's just saving my life. I know some of you are already kind of cringing with this story, right? <laughs> well, you know, at that time, I also, this is before I got married, by the way, I said, well, you know what? I, will, I would like to take somebody out on a date. And we went to downtown, uh, you know, Chattanooga. I remember that, you know, I, I, I wanted to impress a certain somebody at that time. And, you know, and I kind of wonder, oh, okay, well, you know, I, I, I had this money saved up just in case. But then, of course, the people, it's like, well, how would you like to pay for that after the meal, after everything was gone? It's like, well, well let me ask you, do, do, do you take credit cards? And they said, well, well, yes, we do. And I'm like, wow, this is fantastic. This is the best invention ever right? You already know where this is going. Well, come to find out that at the end of the month, I had this really big fat bill of $475 with a $500 credit limit. But you know what they said? But you don't have to pay it all now. In fact, how would you like to raise your credit limit to $1,000? And I said, well, yes, let's go. <laughs> And isn't that kind of how we start this snowball effect, you know? I know most people in this community are retired, and they know a thing or two about finances, not just the tithing, but about how money works. See, sometimes we don't realize what is the true purpose of finances. Let me ask you a question. Why did God make money? See, one thing before we continue... The Bible does not say that money is the root of all evil, okay? Let me just remind It says that the what? The love of money is the root of all evil. See, money has a purpose. If you have a hammer, a hammer, its purpose is to basically hammer. You know, hammer can be a verb and a noun, by the way, right? You know, if you have a chair, a chair is very simple. It is used to what? It's used to sit. In fact, this is a very comfortable chair. You know, I might just take it home with me. But what about money? What is the main purpose of it? When you understand what is the purpose of finances, then you will know how to better utilize it. So I'm going to give you today four purposes, okay, of how money is going to be used. Number one, first purpose of money is to, it was made, I should say, to be saved. Okay, what was money first and foremost? What was it made for? To be saved. 
Number one, Proverbs 21.20, it says, There is a desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. See, the Bible compares the wise to an ant. See, because the ants are the type of people that they save food during the winter. They're the type of animals that save food during the winter. They're not like the bears. The bears, they go ahead and they overeat, and then they hibernate for I don't know how many months. See, when it comes to saving, my friends, sometimes, like I said, you know, before in the beginning of the sermons, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people that we don't even like. Let me tell you something. When you buy your clothes, you do not have to go to Jose Bank or Macy's, okay? Everybody with me so far? You know, you can actually get your clothes at this wonderful place called Goodwill. Can I get an Amen. It's the same clothes they were just used a couple of times. Just do me a favor. Stay away from the ones that have the, you know, the yellow stains. You know what I'm talking about? Do not get those. I mean, seriously, I mean, we, we, we can even have that common sense. But at the same time, my friends, we need to understand that it is okay to get some things that are secondhand. You go get a bunch of good stuff there, and nobody needs to know where you bought them. Can I get an Amen. Praise the Lord for that. I'm glad that we're all in the same boat. So number one, money was made. Praise the Lord over there. Money was made to be saved. Number two, money was made to be invested. Ecclesiastes 11.2. If you have your Bibles and if you can turn with me there. Ecclesiastes 11.2. And if we can actually put that one on the screen if possible. Because this one I actually like for us to you know, continue to see. When we look at Ecclesiastes, it's talking about giving, and it's talking about putting, not putting all of our eggs in one basket. So Ecclesiastes 11.2, I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, give a serving, or when it says give, it actually says distribute, a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on earth. It says, basically, the Bible is saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket. See, we distribute our money in three different ways and you can actually put it in envelopes if you want you put what belongs to God you put your spending money and then you put your saving money one of the reasons why people spend everything they have is because they never got used to saving you need to save at least by the way this is professional advice. This is advice, by the way, that if you go to one of those seminars, they charge you about $100, 200 3000 maybe. I don't know how many dollars. I'm going to give it to you for free today, okay? But you're supposed to save at least 5% of your salary. 5% of your salary you need to save every single month, okay? I learned about this story about this lady 10 years ago. She had won the lottery, all right? Get this. She had won two million dollars first and foremost who or i should say is two million dollars enough for you okay how about one million okay how about a hundred yeah there you go <laughs> be careful there no the point is guys is that in 10 years after this woman had won the lottery 10 years had passed and guess how much she had left after 10 years Zero, zip, nada, okay? So this basically tells me, this basically tells me, my friends, that the problem is not a lack of money, 
but it is a lack of administration. You need to learn with the money that you have. So money was made to be saved, money was made to be invested, and number three, money was made to be given. Money was made to be given. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase. Okay, let me ask you a question. Raise your hand if you have ever heard of the principle of the first fruits. Okay, some of you, I am shocked. Hey, you know what? Today is your lucky day. The principle of the first fruits is very simple. There's a certain percentage that the Bible asks us to return to God. Can anybody tell me what that percentage is? Okay, it's 10%. We all know that, right? 10%. It is very, uh, you know, I mean, and it's not really difficult to, you know, to figure out what 10% is. But see, in the principle of the first fruits, God is not just asking, and I want you to pay attention to this because this itself right here actually changed my life. God is not just asking for you to give 10%. God is asking for you to give the first 10%. Did that make sense? So in other words, when you get your paycheck and when you set up your budget, you know, some people do it like this, you know, first I pay my rent or I pay my mortgage and I get my food, then I get this and I get that. And if there's anything left, we give it to God. You know, no, no, no. well, that, that's how we supposed to, that's, that, well, that's how we supposed, that's how some people do it. The principle of the first fruits, my friend, is that when we get our paycheck, the first thing, the very first thing that we return is God's 10%. Let me tell you something. Just doing this, I have noticed a major difference. Those of you Praise the Lord, by the way. We're in a very financially healthy church. But for those of you that have never practiced this principle, I'm going to say it throughout the message, test it. Remember, Malachi 3.10 says, Test me in these things, and I will what? I will pour all these blessings on you so much that they will overflow. So the principle of the first fruits, not just 10%, but the first 10%, now why is it important to return to God the first 10%? By doing that, you're basically saying, God, I am a giver and then I am a consumer. When you give God the first 10%, he blesses the rest of the finances that you have received. And God is saying, hey, I want you to test me. It was made to be saved. It was made to be invested it was made to be given, and number four, are you guys ready for this one? It was made to be enjoyed. Amen. It was made to be enjoyed, right? You know, one extreme is to spend everything you have, and the other extreme is to what? To never use it, right? To keep saving and saving and saving and saving. You know, there was a story of a guy, I did hear about this, a story of a guy that, you know, he had come from a, you know, he, well, he, he, he had come from a, a, a very um, poor family, and so he willed it in his heart to make sure that, you know, his family did not have the same problems as he did. 
So this guy, you know, he actually, he had a plan. He's like, I'm going to save this much money, and I'm going to buy this many trucks, and I'm going to buy this uh, size of a house in order for my family to not uh, suffer like I did. So this guy worked, and worked, and worked, and worked. He worked full-time, part-time, overtime, and all the time. Well, you know what? I mean, and I, I remember even hearing details of this story, and it would have just, honestly, just hearing the story would make me just tired because the guy, he would work, you know, a certain job, and then, you know, he would go to KFC, get a bucket of the, uh, the fried chicken, and then make his way to his next job, and then he repeated the whole cycle. He would go to bed at midnight, wake up at 5 to start all over again. Whew, I'm only sweating thinking about that. But money was also made to be enjoyed for purposes. It was made to be saved, made to be invested, made to be given, and made to be enjoyed. That is the purpose of money. Now, what is our part? See, what we need to understand is that God is the owner. We are the administrators. Okay? We return to God 10%, but He owns 100%. Sometimes we act like money is ours. You know, we get into our different careers. Some of us over here, we make different amounts of money. We, uh, you know, we do it uh, sometimes, you know, with uh, different purposes, of course. At the same time, my friends, we need to understand that all of that we are, everything that we are, is God's. When I was about seven years old, you know, my mom would ask me to go run errands with her. You know, I remember she was driving a little Toyota, and I would be sitting, you know, uh, in, the, uh, in the passenger seat. And my mom, in order to reward me for putting up with her that, during that whole time, she said, you know what, if you come with me, I will give you ice cream. Love it. You know, I mean, she would take me to this place. But see, back in, back in South America, uh, you know, we would um, not have like the regular, I don't know why, I don't, I, I've never seen it done here, but my favorite type of ice cream was the type that you would get the cone and you would put a little gumball in the bottom. You know what I'm talking about here? Yeah, we don't, I've never seen that done here. It's okay, you know, I mean, we're all different. But I remember I would always get either vanilla cookies and cream or chocolate chip cookie dough. Those were my, different, my three different flavors. So my mom would come and she would give me the ice cream and I was the happiest camper ever. And, you know, I would be licking my ice cream and everything like that when all of a sudden at the corner of my eye, I see a spoon coming. And I was like, wait, what is this? And then that spoon goes ahead and takes a little bit of my ice cream and then... It was returned to the owner and put in their mouth. And I'm thinking, who dares take my ice cream? It was my mom, by the way. So I said, I kind of gave the look. I was like, I'm going to let this one go. But then, that same spoon came again and took another scoop. And this time I looked at my mom and I was like, Mom, what are you doing? And she says, oh, I'm just enjoying your ice cream with you. It's like, I am not enjoying this ice cream with you with that spoon. And so, she, and so I said, 
mom, and so, you know, obviously I got kind of possessed, and I was like, mom, this is my ice cream. You could have gotten your own. I mean, it's only a thousand pesos, which back then it was a dollar. All right? So I said, just, just get your own. You know, I mean, let me just enjoy this. I'm especially licking it so I can get to the bottom and I can actually get that gumball in the bottom. And so she says, uh, excuse me, sir, who bought you that ice cream? Right? I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> this is mine. You know, we laugh at that, by the way, but don't we do the same with God? He gives us ice cream plus cheesecake plus apple pie, alamode, and we say, this is mine. You know, God is so full of love that he doesn't say, oh, you know, who gave you that? No, no, no. God is just so amazing that in his own way, in his own way, he just says, hey, you know what? I want you to have it. But this relationship is just a little different now. You get what I'm saying? And you know, let me stop right there. And, and you know, sometimes, I, 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 this is just a little parenthesis here. I don't understand, and, and I'm glad that I don't in a lot of ways. I don't understand sometimes how God works. Because see, for some reason, the Lord really impressed me today to preach about stewardship and finances. But let me tell you something. Sometimes in my own human mind, I think certain people need to be here. And for some reason, those people are not here. Right? But you're here. You get what I'm saying? You know, I mean, through this foolishness we call preaching, God is able to deliver a message and tailor-make it to your heart. I've only been here a year and a week, to be exact. And I still don't know everybody here. I'm still getting to know people. I don't know exactly what you're going through. But you do. I'm just a vessel. I'm just preaching a message. For me, the biggest blessing that I can get is knowing that God used His Word to bless you. And if it's done through me, then so be it. But He can use anybody. You know, the Bible says that He even used donkeys to, re, you know, to, to preach a message, right? You know how I know that? You're looking at one of them right now. God says, God says that he is the owner, but we are the administrators. I want us to put, or if you have, or if you have your Bibles, and we're actually going to be almost close, wrapping this up, I want us to look at this story in Luke chapter 14, verse 28, because I think it really captures the points of being a great administrator. I don't know about you, but I want to be a great administrator, don't you think? I want to be a, not a good administrator. I want to be a great administrator of God's finances. And a great administrator of God's finances goes above and beyond the 10% that we're supposed to not give, but return. Luke chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 28. If you're there, say praise the Lord. So it says, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it? That's it. Four steps to being a great, for being a great administrator. Number one, 
set goals. You know, the goal of this man here in this story was to what? To build a what? Build a tower. Very simple. You have to set goals. If you don't know where you're going, you're already there. If you don't know where you're going, you're already there. Goals have to be clear. Goals have to be specific. Goals have to be attainable. And goals have to be written. You know, sometimes when we go back to our goals, you know, I want to, you know, if you have a debt, I want to pay this amount every single month. Not just, you know, hey, you know, have the uh, loan company, you know, take it out immediately. No, 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 no. Set yourself specific amounts. Even if you don't make it, that specific amount, hey, at least you shot for something, right? Nobody ever scored a goal that they didn't shoot. So number one, set goals. Number two, he sat down first after he said that he wanted to build a tower. This means don't make impulsive purchases. You know, how many of you, let me ask you a question, how many of you can go into a store and come out without purchasing anything? You know, some of you, oh my goodness. Do I need to ask that question again? There was a lot of hands that were not raised. Every single time you go to a store, you know, like, you know, you know, you know how it goes, like, oh, I'm going to make a quick trip to Walmart. I'm just going to get some vitamins. That's all I'm going to get. And I'm going to get, hey, I'm not just, I'm going to save money. I'm not going to get the, the Apple. I'm going to get the generic brand. Yeah, it should be what? Three, four dollars. Bill comes up, 80 bucks. Oh, well, I needed a little bit. Of, really? Really? I thought you just went first. You know what I'm saying? Amen. So set goals, sit down first. Some, another thing that the man did, he, he counted the cost. He set a budget. A budget, my friends, is what you used to tell the finances where they need to go instead of asking where they went. And let me tell you something. This advice that I'm about to give you is worth thousands, maybe even millions. Today, I'm going to give it to you for free. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? The secret... To be financially healthy is to not spend more than what you make. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's simple. You simply do not spend more than what you make. I mean, in this day and age, if we make $1,000, we end up spending in $1,200. And you know how it goes. Sometimes we budget and we say, okay, you know, rent this, you know, rent a thousand. If we make three thousand dollars, rent is a thousand dollars, and then uh, you know, f- uh, food, groceries is a thousand dollars. But the things I buy at Amazon when I am uh, sad, you know, is worth like three thousand dollars. You know what I'm talking about here? And yes, that was from a meme. But my friends, a budget is what you use to tell finances where they need to go instead of asking where they went. 
And number four, I'm going to read the story again. Which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it? In order to continue to this and to get out of debt, you have to do this little thing called persevere. Persevere. Okay? If you're in debt, there are no magic potions. Okay? Getting in debt is kind of like gaining weight. Right? You know, uh, you get into this uh, exercise plan. I don't know if you guys know about what I'm talking about here, but, you know, they had this thing back in the day called the sweatsuits. You would put them on and, you know, you would run and then you would, like, sweat up a storm, especially here in Florida. My goodness, I don't even know how that would. They actually filmed that commercial in Florida, and I have no idea how they did it. But regardless, you know, you get on that sweatsuit, you start eating right, and after three weeks, you get on the scale and you lose half a pound. You come to church, eat potluck, three pounds. Right? We have to persevere knowing that, hey, these things do take time. How do you, this is, by the way, a metaphor, not literal, but how, you, how, do you, how would you, if you had somebody was to ask you, how would you eat an elephant? Thank you. One bite at a time. It's very simple, right? Please, don't eat an elephant. You know? But if, if somebody was to put an elephant in front of you and they ask you, hey, you need to finish this, how are you going to finish it? One bite at a time. You can't fit the whole... No. I mean, first and foremost, that's ridiculous. But sometimes we do the same. We want to get out of debt so quick... And we want to get rich quick, right? These things take time. And God is saying, if you follow my principles, not only are you going to get it done, but you're going to be blessed in the process. I'm going to close with this. First and foremost, I talked about the purpose of money. I talked about our part in being great administrators. And last but not least, I want to talk about the dangers. Number one, avoid seduction. I want to ask you the following questions here. Do you put your job before your family? Is it hard for you to stop thinking about work while at home? Vacations are on break. What's the first thing you think about when you wake up and the last thing you think about before going to bed? Did you choose your career based only on the fact of how much money you were going to make? Do you buy stuff on sale even though you don't need them? Mercy. Don't be that honest with me. Are you one of those, you're going to laugh at this, that when somebody invites you to eat, you overorder? You know what I'm talking about? Do you order more food when somebody else invites you to eat? Is having more the main goal in your life? Proverbs 11:28. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. Do not put your confidence in money either, my friends. And last but not least, Proverbs 22, 26 and 27, it says, Do not be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge, one of those who is surety for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, which should he take away your bed from under you? In other words, do not compromise yourself. You know, 
to put some things into perspective, I've, I've said this before, but I am going to just read it again. But if you have food in your fridge, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the world. If you have money in the bank, your wallet, and some spare change, you are among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. As we are closing today's message, and you're kind of wondering, well, Pastor, why are we talking about this? Well, number one, we rarely talk about stewardship. And I hope today you maybe have gotten a different perspective on it. But as I read the very well-known Malachi 3.10, where it says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. You know, this is one of those texts, my friends, that, you know, the Bible has different types of texts. This is one of those promise texts. Money. We think of it as, hey, this is the currency. This is money, my friends. Finances. If you ask me, it's not about currency. It's about how, or I should say where, you are with God. Currency, finances, is not about Oh, how much money I'm going to spend. No, 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 no. God is giving you a plan. God is telling you, hey, you know what? Follow this. I'm going to bless you. Even if you do your own thing, you know, I'm still going to try to bless you. There's a difference there. But bring him to the storehouse. You know, I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, and says try me now in this. I love, this is one of those times where I love the good old-fashioned King James Version, because he doesn't say, try me. What does it say? It says, test me. God is saying to you, I'm giving you permission to test me. Oh, you're not sure? Okay, test me. How can we give to God? You know, we're going to be talking about that in the next few weeks. One thing to maybe start doing. You know that little spinny thing that went to the Bahamas? That's a good start. We also have a church community that if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be here. I am grateful, by the way, I am grateful for the Seventh-day Adventist system. You know why? Because we don't preach a prosperity gospel. Every single pastor, teacher, they all get paid the same. A conference president, maybe a smidge more. Yeah, they have to go different places. The system, the organization of the Seventh-day Adventist church, I'm going to dare say it, it's perfect. Now the people, 
Well, I don't think that such thing exists. But the organization itself, it is designed for that. Malachi 3.10, I'll say it again. And if you have doubts, God is simply saying, test me and I will bless you. 